Thanks for joining us on the Crenshaw Christian Center New York podcast. And remember these words, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's jump into the lesson. We are continuing our series with the title, Watch Your Mouth. And we are going to pick up right where we left off because I have so much and I really want to just keep moving. So one of the things that we know, because we keep talking about it, is that to be successful in monitoring the powerful words, we've got to do that, that proceed from our mouths. We must know and utilize what? The word of God. So turn with me to the book of Joshua. And I'm going to share a verses of scripture that, a verse of scripture you probably are very familiar with. Joshua 1.8. I'm pretty sure most of us already know it. Um, and I'm going to start with the New King James Version. And it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The Living Bible says, constantly remind the people about these laws, and you yourself must think about them every day and every night, so that you will be sure to obey all of them, for only then will you succeed. And then the Amplified says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall read, and here's the qualifier, and meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will be successful. So sometimes, if you're in the midst of a challenge and you can't figure out well, how come the victory is just not happening? What's going on? You need to go back, regroup, and realize or think about what are you thinking on? Are you meditating on the word of God? Is that what your final authority is? Is that what is permeating every thought that you have? Because if not, you need to go back and rethink it because it's said in every single translation, it's then that we make our way prosperous when we are meditating on the word, not on all of the other stimulus that we may get on any given day. Now, I know that there are some people who feel as if they don't truly know enough of the word. And I say that because Everybody did not grow up in the Word of God. Everybody did not know every single little Bible story, you know, um, that we tell our children as Christians. And I say this because I was one of those people, meaning my husband grew up, he knew all that. I did not know any of that. I mean, you know, I told you and you've heard it and I'm not going to go into it long, but I came from a Baptist church where they were very sweet and kind, but they read a couple of little sentences called the text, took the Bible, stuck it under the pulpit and went off into their show for the week. So the point was, I did not know, I really didn't know the word. So I kind of was intimidated in the beginning because other people could sit and they could quote scripture and I'm like, 
I don't even know what they're talking about. So I had to literally learn. I, I mean, I kind of felt like I was behind in, in a way, you know, like I had to constantly play catch up. But that's what's so wonderful about God. There is, he's not bound by time and it doesn't matter when you choose to do it. All you have to do is make that commitment and just do it. So <laughs> sort of like a Nike commercial. But the point is, that's exactly what we can do. And then you can do what? Make your way prosperous. So, but for those of us that sometimes feel that way, when that's the case, the enemy, I promise you, he will use it and he will present every kind of suggestion, every kind of thought and every idea that you'll never be able to say the right words. So why bother? That's what he tries to use as a tactic. Don't even worry about it. You don't know all the things that people, Christians know, so why are you even bothering? I would like to say that similar to people who are on a strict eating regimen and they hit a plateau. And some people will go ahead and they will continue moving forward beyond the plateau. Other people are like, why well, don't even need to bother with all that? It's not working anyway. Let me just go on and get my chocolate cake and ice cream and be happy, okay? But that's not going to result in victory. Some of us may know that, okay? Um, I'm also gonna share with you. We've already discussed it, but I want to share the scripture with you out of the Message Bible. I want you to just listen to how it explains it. And it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of God, God spoke to Joshua, Moses' assistant, and this is what he said. Moses, my servant, is dead. Get going. Cross the Jordan River, you and all the people. Cross to the country I'm giving to the people of Israel. I'm giving you every square inch of the land you set your foot on, just as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon east to the great river, the Euphrates River, all the Hittite country, and then west to the great sea. It's all yours, all your life. No one will be able to hold out against you. In the same way I was with Moses, I'll be with you. I won't give up on you. I won't leave you. Strength, courage, you are going to lead this people to inherit the land that I promised to give their ancestors. Give it everything you have, heart and soul. Make sure you carry out the revelation that Moses commanded you, every bit of it. Don't get off track, either left or right. So, as to make sure you get to where you're going. And don't for a minute let this book of the Revelation be out of mind. Ponder and meditate on it day and night, making sure you practice everything written in it. Then you'll get where you're going. Then you'll succeed. Haven't I commanded you? Strength, courage, don't be timid. Don't get discouraged. God, your God, is with you every step that you take. The point being is, and I really, I, that's why I want to share that translation. The point being is, if he did that then, these precious people weren't even born again. We are, the Godhead is living within us, so we can never afford, we can't even think about giving up. We need to know every place we step is holy ground. Everything we want is within our hand if we just continue to move on in faith. Now turn with me to Exodus the fourth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 12. Exodus 4, and let me know when you're there because you really need to see this. Okay, praise God. 
I'm going to share this first out of the Amplified. And it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I am not a man of words, eloquent, fluent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and will teach you what you shall say. The easy to read version says, then Moses said to the Lord, but Lord, I am telling you, I'm not a good speaker. I have never been able to speak well. And that hasn't changed since you started talking to me. (laughs) I am still not a good speaker. You know that I speak slowly and don't use the best words. Then the Lord said to him, who made the person's, who made a person's mouth? And who can make someone deaf or not able to speak? Who can make a person blind? Who can make a person able to see? I am the one. I am the Lord. So go. I will be with you when you speak. I will give you the words to say. So often, and I'm going to put a pen right there, so often we as believers have a tendency not to even share the great news of the gospel and share salvation even with some of our family members for the very reason that we don't think we have the words or we don't think that we speak glibly or all that well and we're afraid we're going to stumble over our words. That's another trick of the enemy. All you have to do is trust God. He will fill your mouth and give you exactly what it is that you need to say. I mean, again, Moses was not born again. You are. The Godhead lives within you. He just needs you to open your mouth. He will say what needs to be said. Now we're going to look at this in the Message Bible. And it says, Moses raised another objection to God. How many of us do that? God may tell us to do something, but we're always giving him a reason why we can't or we shouldn't or this isn't going to work or that's not going to work. Just go on and be obedient. Do what it is he tells you to do. So, so this, is, this is him raising an, obje- an objection and he says, Master, please, I don't talk well. I've never been good with words, neither before nor after you spoke to me. I stutter and stammer. And God said, and who do you think made the human mouth? Now see, I actually picked these scriptures for this reason too. When I'm saying, and when this lesson is saying, watch your mouth, the bottom line is God made our mouths. If he is living in us, and he is if we are born again, then all we have to do is do what? Be diligent. He made our mouths. Be careful and just let him speak. Get to a point where you stop trying to do all the talking and let him speak through you and you'll find you'll be perfectly okay because he actually made your mouth. So therefore, he can use it to his honor and glory, but only if you yield to him and allow him to do that. And God said, and who do you think made the human mouth? And who makes some mute, some deaf, some sighted, some blind? Isn't it I, God? So get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. I mean, it makes it perfectly clear to me. Moses did what? He trusted God. So if Moses trusted God, don't you think we can? I do. Turn with me to Psalm, Psalms 71. 
and we're going to look at verses 14 and 15. Psalm 71, verses 14 and 15. Starting with the New King James Version, it says, But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day long, for I do not know their limits. The Amplified says, but as for me, I will wait and hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and of your deeds of salvation all day long, for their number is more than I know. And the Living Bible simply puts, I will keep on expecting you to help me. I praise you more and more. I cannot count the times when you have faithfully rescued me from danger. I will tell everyone how good you are and of your constant daily care. <laughs> the point being is there's no reason for us not to share all of the wonderful things that God has given to us, that he does for us, and especially the salvation he has provided for us through Jesus. Keep in mind that your mouth is a lethal weapon. Praise coming out of your mouth literally stills the avenger. And I think I shared that with you last week. The point is you can be in the midst of something where it just seems like, oh my goodness, when am I just going to get a moment? Open your mouth and praise the Lord. That is your moment because the enemy will stop attacking in his tracks when you are praising God. Praying in the spirit is likened to a nuclear weapon, which is why at the conclusion of every single service, one of the invitations we give you is to be filled to overflowing with the precious gift of the Holy Spirit, where you receive your own personal prayer language, your own ability to speak directly to the Most High God, where no man can understand what you are saying. We give you that opportunity simply because when you are praying in that manner, it is exactly exactly like a nuclear weapon because think about it. You are praying in the present about your future, something that's going to happen in the future that's already been ordained before the foundation of the earth. There is no other way that you can speak or pray and accomplish all of that. So therefore, it's something that if you're not doing that, and I submit to you, if you don't find to do that on a daily basis and you're having a challenging time, I mean, really, kind of, you know, if you have a way to produce a nuclear weapon against your attack and you're not using it, I mean, that's just nonsensical. Like, maybe you just like going through the attack. I don't think so. So it's just a reminder in case you've forgotten, open up your mouth and use your prayer language. Again, watch what's coming out of your mouth. Amen. Now, let's look at Proverbs, the 18th chapter. Turn with me there, please. Proverbs 18, and for right now, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. Are you there? Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7, and we're going to start with the New King James Version. And it says, A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. 
The Amplified puts it this way, a fool's lips bring contention and strife, and his mouth invites a beating. Okay, I mean, you know, sometimes when you see people fighting, it's because their mouth has something to do with it before the blows ever took place, okay? <laughs> Verse seven, a fool's mouth is his ruin and his lips are the snare of his soul. And if we look at it in the Living Bible, it just says a fool gets into constant fights. His mouth is his undoing, his words endanger him. The message says, the words of a fool start fights. Do him a favor and gag him. Fools are undone by their big mouths and their souls are crushed by their words. So it's quite clear that your mouth has a lot of effect on what is going to happen in your life. And we know that we're not fools, so therefore we do not want to <laughs> speak in such a way that we put ourselves in that kind of position. Now drop, drop down, you're already right there in chapter 18, drop down to verse 21, and this is one that I know we even quote this most of the time. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. That was the New King James Version. The Amplified says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. The Living Bible, those who love to talk will suffer the consequences. Men have died for saying the wrong thing. Uh, the Message Bible say, says, words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. I like that, because that's just right to the point. We choose the fruit that we will eat by every word that proceeds from our mouth. For instance, Christians choose the word challenge opposed to problem. You never hear me say, if you are walking through a problem, or if you have a problem. Problem is something that really, I try to completely just about, it's, it's not really in my vocabulary. I don't really say it, unless I'm speaking of a math, I don't even say a math problem, because it's a math challenge. Because I operate with the mind of Christ, so therefore I'm gonna understand it. So the point being is, we choose to say challenge. And this is something that I'm gonna suggest to you. Because you may not have thought it this way. If you are walking through something, instead of you saying it's a problem, just switch the word out and say it's a challenge. When you do that, it changes the situation completely. Because instead of you looking at it like it's a problem, like this is gonna be hard, like I don't know how I'm gonna get through this, you just look at it simply as a challenge, knowing I'm going to get through this, knowing I'm gonna be on the other side of it, knowing I'm going to win, just by switching the one word. So as Christians, that's what we do because we walk how? By faith and not by sight. And we know that as children of God, we win. We always know that. So even if you have a small child or maybe a grandchild that you're watching or maybe you even watch children, you know, for childcare or whatever, they may fall and, you know, they may skin their knee. What is it that you say? And I want you to really be authentic and think about it. What do you say? Do you say something like, oh, come here, you hurt yourself? Or you might say, oh, let me kiss the boo-boo, which I've never, because first of all, I really am not trying to kiss a boo-boo. I mean, really? <laughs> okay, but people say that kind of stuff. Um, or do you say this, come here, let's lay hands on you for you are healed in Jesus' name. Now, you may say, who's gonna say that to a little child? 
because here's the point. What you teach them, here's another thing people don't know. This isn't on the script, but I want you to know this. Children learn 80% of what they're going to learn from birth to age six. Okay, that's not a long time. Some of us start thinking that we're going to start talking to them at age six and seven. They learn 80%. So if they are toddling around or they're two years old, no, you may think they don't understand your words, but their spirit understands your words because God gave them life. So therefore, you speak to them just like you're speaking to one another, especially when it comes to things of the word. They will understand it because here's what you got to understand. That little tiny child that you're speaking to, if you all of a sudden kiss the boo-boo and all the rest of that, that's not going to help them if they are now um, in high school and they're playing football and somebody gives them a hard hit. Nobody's coming to kiss that boo-boo away, okay? And they better know what it is that they can lay hands on themselves because they are the healed of the Lord. But if you haven't trained them that way, then you haven't done your due diligence. So it's something that we need to think about. And God, just think about this. These children grow up and they go away to university. Believe it or not, everything you started teaching and training them from the time they were in the cradle, they remember it. And university, when they're away from home, it all seems to come full circle because then they can't just come up into your room and ask you. They are in that dorm room by themselves and they better know the word. So it starts there. So it's very important that we start training them from the time that you first lay eyes on them. It may seem simple, but eventually it's going to pay off because the difference is they're going to be girded with the word of God. Even when you hold the children, when you're talking to the children, when I go and meet my grandchildren for the first time, I mean, I get so excited. Everybody does. It's a precious little baby. You're so excited. But I make sure that I have some time where I hold that baby and I bless that child and I speak into that child's life. Now, it's an infant, a couple of minutes, hours. They don't know, you would think, but their spirit knows. And guess what? The enemy knows what it is that I'm saying. So I confess that they will learn the good news of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that they will accept him at an early age, that they will be born again and spirit-filled, and that they will help build the kingdom of God, and that they will rise up, and that they will accomplish all that God has called them in this earth realm to do. They will fulfill their purpose in the name of Jesus, and they will be mighty men, and now I'm having a girl, women of God. <laughs> the point being is, you speak that, and whenever I go and visit them, I'm still blessing them. I am still imparting the word of God to them. And when they slip or if they skin their knee, they know. Lay hands on themselves. They be mumbling because maybe at one and a half or two, they can't get it out. But they know. Lay hands on yourself because you are the healed of the Lord. And that's going to carry them through. And I'm excited about that. And it's something that I encourage all of us. We need to do that. Turn with me to Luke's gospel. And we're going to look at the sixth chapter. Verses 43 to 45. Luke 6, verses 43 to 45. I'm going to share it first, only two translations this time, out of the New King James Version. And it says, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. 
For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Which is why you can locate anybody by their mere conversation. You have a conversation with somebody for five or 10 minutes, it will speak volumes to you about who they are, what they think, and really what they're about. Because out of the abundance of that person's heart is how they speak. And if you don't think that's true, just try it. Just, just start being a little bit more sensitive and listen. And that's gonna help you a lot too because it'll save you sometimes a lot of challenge simply because you get to see exactly who it is that you're dealing with. Now out of the Amplified Bible it says, for there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known and identified by its own fruit. For figs are not picked from thorn bushes, nor is a cluster of grape grapes picked from a briar bush. The intrinsically good man produces what is good and honorable and moral out of the good treasure stored in his heart. And the intrinsically evil man produces what is wicked and depraved out of the evil in his heart, for his mouth speaks from the overflow of his heart. Now let's look at Matthew's gospel, the 12th chapter. And this is also why you need to speak to your children and your grandchildren and anybody for that matter. Let them see what's in your heart. What should be coming out of it should be what? The word. I mean, I remember, and this was back, oh my goodness, I could tell you. It was exactly 12 years ago, 12 years ago, when I was having an intense fellowship time with my youngest daughter and she did not like me. She loved me, but she did not like me. And it's okay, because the feeling was mutual, really. <laughs> but, but, but I mean, oh, it was intense, okay? And I remember her saying to me, and we laughed about this the other day, but I remember her saying to me, all that comes out of your mouth is the word and Jesus. That's all you talk about. Can't you say anything else other than that? Now, what did her conversation let me know? I really better run into the throne room because I could see she was definitely on the wrong track. We had put her into public school. That's a whole nother conversation, but believe me, it was not necessarily, well, she says it was part of her testimony. It's good that she went because she learned a lot of things and she's used that as part of her testimony. But during that time, it was an intense time of fellowship. Praise God, I never gave up. I stayed in that throne room. I mean, I stayed in there. And the good news is now, what is coming out of her mouth? Nothing but the word. We're talking about Jesus. But the thing is, you let your children know who you are. Don't shy away from that. Now, your children may be 40 years old. It's not time to quit. Keep going, okay? Still let them know who you are and let them hear that word coming out of you because I'm telling you, oftentimes, that word is like the North Star. It will guide them to where it is they need to be and put them exactly where God would have them to be. So don't ever be discouraged. Just keep going ahead and keep speaking about it. 
So if we look at this in the Amplified, this is Matthew 12, 33 through 37. It says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is recognized and judged by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. The good man from his inner treasure, good treasure, brings out good things. And the evil man from his inner evil treasure brings out evil things. But I tell you, on the day of judgment, you will have to give an accounting for every careless or useless word they speak. For by your words, here's the qualifier, reflecting your spiritual condition, you will be justified and acquitted of the guilt of sin. And by your words, rejecting me, you will be condemned and sentenced. Again, we have to do what? We've got to make sure we're paying attention to the words coming out of our mouth. Now, looking at that same Matthew 12, verses 33 through 37 out of the Living Bible, it says a tree is, ad- is identified by its fruit. Again, if you have children, because some of us here, most of us are over the age of 25, so we don't have a whole lot of little babies. We have some of us do, though, okay? Understand, when people see your children, it's a reflection of you, okay? I mean, I hope you know that, you know? So if you have children and they're not exactly how you want them to be, and maybe they're in a situation that's just not necessarily the best, don't give up. That's okay. Every day you have the opportunity to begin again. So do that. Make sure that you are doing all that you can with them because they identify who you are. A tree from a select variety produces good fruit. Poor varieties don't. You brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For a man's heart determines his speech. A good man's speech reveals the rich treasures within him. An evil-hearted man is filled with venom, and his speech reveals it. And we can all attest to that because we know some people that we wish they'd never speak to us. Because some of the things they say are sharp, they're not nice, they don't bring any joy to us. We almost want to avoid them, okay? So it's a very real thing. This isn't just something made up. And I tell you this, that you must give account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. Your words now reflect your fate then. Either you will be justified by them or you will be condemned. And then the message says, if you grow a healthy tree, you'll pick healthy fruit. If you grow a diseased tree, you'll pick worm-eaten fruit. The fruit tells you about the tree. You have minds like a snake pit. How do you suppose what you say is worth anything when you are so foul-minded? It's your heart, not the dictionary, that gives meaning to your words. I love that because you can sit with the dictionary and come up with something that sounds all scholarly and wonderful and great and and it means absolutely nothing if it doesn't reach your heart, okay? So that's the important thing. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. And I'm gonna pause here. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. They may not be someone like Moses felt he couldn't speak all that well and he couldn't you know, get up in front of people and talk, he wasn't comfortable. But here's the point. If your heart is good and your intention is good, it's going to come out and you're going to be known for that. You can go somewhere where you can't even command the same language that, I went to Puerto Rico 
uh, oh, it was many years ago now, probably 20 something years ago, and I spent a whole day with the family. The gentleman worked in the bank so he could speak English. However, his wife spoke no English. He had a three-year-old son who spoke no English. I speak Spanish that I learned on Sesame Street. That ought to let you know how limited that is, okay? So other than hola and agua, I was somewhat limited, okay? So I spent the whole entire day with them, and that's all that I could say, but I gotta tell you something. What was in my heart was love. That little three-year-old boy, by the time the day was done, fell asleep in my arms, not understanding my language, but he understood my heart. So be encouraged and know that. You don't always have to know exactly what word, but to speak, I didn't know, other than hola and agua, which didn't mean anything to them, but my heart, that made the difference. So. We have to do that too. Make sure that don't get caught up with the thought and idea and suggestion that the enemy's trying to give you about you don't know how to say this and you don't know. Forget him. He lost. We win. Just allow the, the love that's in your heart to come forward and trust that God will fill your mouth with whatever it is that you need to say. Okay, so back to this. A good person produces good deeds and words season after season. And that's important too, because it doesn't matter what season of your life you're in. You might be in the season of life where you're retired, where you're not doing the same thing of getting up and catching the train and going to work early. You know, maybe your day starts a little bit later. It doesn't matter what your season is. You could be at the season of raising children, and you know, you could be at the season where, <laughs> where my grandchildren are, where you don't get a whole lot of sleep. The parents don't because they're trying to tend after them. Doesn't matter the season. Just know that seasons do what? They change, exactly. So the good news is, no matter what, make sure that your deeds are good. An evil person is a blight on the orchard. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. And we can all say that. Sometimes we say something and we're like, wish I wouldn't have said that. Because you, you wish you could retract it because you know you shouldn't have said it. Well, now we're going to try to put a governor on ourselves to make more, more, more of a conscious effort before we open our mouths to think about what you're going to say before you say it. Because every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation. Words can also be your damnation. And we know what side of that we want to be on. Amen? Okay. Now, this is a, a sensitive subject. I don't know why. The, I do know why. So I can't say I don't know why. I know why the Holy Spirit has led me down this, this path. And it deals with fathers, but it also deals with mothers, grandparents. It deals with all of us who have children or who have younger relatives that we um, can counsel, that we can talk to, we have to make sure that we are not provoking them. I recognize that oftentimes children, because sometimes children are reared by their grandparents, or sometimes they come up in single parent homes, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, you know, sometimes single parents kind of beat themselves up about that. Don't beat yourself up. 
Okay, you have the Godhead within you. So whatever, I mean, yes, it's perfect if we can have husband and wife and we're raising the child. That is God's best. Good, better, best, never let it rest. But guess what? If you're in a situation that's just good and it's not best, don't give up and don't cop out because you're in a situation that's good. Do the best you can at good and good will become better and better can become best if you believe that and you trust God. But the point of the matter is the enemy is doing everything he can to destroy the family. He's been doing it for a while, but right now he seems to be on a real, he's, he's, he's full speed on full throttle. We as believers have to understand that. We have to be diligent. We have to pray, but we can't under any circumstances give in to any thought, idea, and suggestion he may give because we must win always. God's he's provided everything for us to do that. And I really want us to think about it. I understand that children never came with an instruction booklet. Believe me. If they did, we wouldn't have to have some challenges that we have with them. And when they got to teenage years, they would just be so sweet. And everything would just be so wonderful and loving. And, you know, because we'd have instructions preparing us for this challenging time that we may enter into. I believe that most parents, especially Christian parents, want the best for their children. And quite frankly, they're doing the best that they can by them. The children don't always see that. And sometimes children can be very hurtful with their words and the things that they say. You know, like they may want the $450 pair of sneakers where in your budget you've got 40 bucks and what they don't realize is that $40 you sacrifice and you're walking around with shoes that are hurting your feet just to be able to come up with the $40 to be able to get them some sneakers and then they're going to murmur and complain because they wanted the $450 Jordans that you right now don't have the money in your hand to be able to provide for them. And they can say some things and it hurts. And, you know, <laughs> you got to keep in mind, foolishness is what? It's bound in the heart of a child. So therefore, it should be expected that sometimes they're going to do that. Don't let that rock your world. You just keep going forward with what you need to do. And sometimes parents, and it hurts me to see this, will not pay their bills to go get the $450 pair of sneakers to make little Johnny smile and be happy. Little Johnny is going to be happy until the next $450 pair that come out that aren't Jordans, but maybe they're, you know, somebody else's, LeBron's, and they want that. So the $450 ones get thrown in the closet. Meanwhile, that $450 that you need to go pay on your Con Ed bill, you are now late with that because you're trying to please little Johnny? Come on. No. We are not, as parents, designed to be their little friends to make them smile all the time. Instead, if we watch our words, we can teach little Johnny how to get into agreement with the word of God and with us for the $450 to be able for him to buy the Jordans or the LeBrons or whatever else he wants. And until it manifests, to be happy and praise God and be thankful for the $45 pair or $40 pair or whatever it is that you have in your hand to be able to get them. But we kind of forget that. And the thing with that, if we're forgetting it and we're not doing things like that, you're really just not applying the word. It's like you're straddling and you don't realize it because on one hand, you're believing God yourself. 
You're believing God to pay your bills. You're believing God for the money to provide for your children. And you really are doing that. But then when it comes to the children, you don't want to disappoint them. So because you're kind of like, well, I don't want to disappoint them. And all of their friends are getting these $450 shoes. And I really don't want them to be hurt. And I'm going to try to figure out how to do it. You're really straddling because you're not telling them the whole story. You don't want them to know that you don't have it in your hands because the enemy is feeding you, which is why you need to come to Thursday night Bible study. Because <laughs> we are talking about the mind and the things that he does. But it applies here because what he will do is he will sit there and start making you feel like you've missed it, like you're inadequate because you can't give little Johnny the $450 shoes. So therefore, what do you end up doing? You compromise. You're never supposed to do that. The word is your final authority, but you've got to teach little Johnny the word because, again, the same way if he skinned his knee and you're teaching him to lay hands on himself, you're teaching him how to apply this word to his life so that when he has little Johnny Jr., he'll be able to do that and not be stressed out trying to go get little Johnny Jr. some who knows, by then it'll be $900 for a pair of shoes. The point that I'm making to you is, for some reason or another, we get kind of like caught up. We can't do that. We have to make sure, because keep in mind, what did we just read? Every single idle word we're going to be held accountable for. Every single thing we don't share and tell our children, we're going to be accountable for, and we don't want to do that. Turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verse four. Ephesians six, verse four. And we know this too, but it's not one of those scriptures that everybody gets excited about. So a lot of times we don't really talk about it that much, but it's here. So this is why we're going to discuss it. <laughs> Ephesians six, four, the Amplified puts it this way. Fathers, do not... Provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive. That says a lot. Nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Living Bible says, and now a word to you parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves with suggestions and godly advice. And lastly, the message says, fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Now, I have to say this, as much as we love our children, sometimes we miss it because we want the best out of them. We want the best for them. And we tend to really be hard on them sometimes. We forget that they are children. That they, and I'm, your child could be 40 years old, okay? I have a 40-year-old, so maybe that's why I'm saying that. But the point is, it doesn't matter because we're all giant children anyway. And the same way that God is loving and kind and tender to us, we have to be the same way with them. We have to allow them the privilege of making a mistake and knowing that they still will be victorious in it as long as they are doing what? Submitting themselves to the word of God, 
we can show them that. We can guide them through that. There are people who are hard on their kids. There are people, now I know, I would like to think Christians don't do this, but I know sometimes they do. They're pushed to the brink and they start calling their own children out of their name. They will start cursing their children. They will say things that should never be uttered. And there are things that will hurt. There are Christian families who have children who are in gangs. Why are they in gangs? Okay, a lot of them are in gangs because they're missing something and they're not getting what they need at home. This scripture says fathers do not provoke your children, but that can go to mothers, that can go to grandparents, aunties, uncles, it can go to anybody who has a child that's in their life. Because here's what we have to remember. Our children are seeking our validation. It may not be discussed, but it's important nonetheless. Many of us have never received it from our own parents. So we fail to provide it for our children, that validation. You know, maybe we didn't have any of our parents do that for us. So we don't think it's important. Some of us may have never known both of our parents. That's a very real thing. And this can prove challenging because you tend to seek the validation of the particular parent that you never knew. And that's really hard for single parents because their children, that's when they can be kind of cruel to that single parent that's there taking care of them because that child will sit up and throw in the single parent's face how, well, I never knew my daddy, so therefore, you know, la da da and whatever other foolishness that can come out. And then that makes the parent feel bad. And it can be vice versa because sometimes it's fathers who are raising their children. And whatever the case may be, it's, it's, but it's real. And that's why I've been given this assignment. Believe me, I was like, why is so much time being spent on this? But it's because people, there are adults sitting here who never receive validation from their parents. And they still, it's still one of those things that stings. Validation meaning approval. You never felt like your parents really approved of you. But here's the thing I want you to keep in mind. <laughs> As Christians, the great news is that we are joint heirs with the Most High God. We are joint heirs with Jesus the Christ. We have already been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. <laughs> We've been adopted into the Holy Family. We've been accepted and are part of the body of Christ. We are unconditional traditionally loved, loved in a way that our parents could not even know how to love us. There is no greater validation than this. It is our responsibility, however, as parents to love and guide our children the same way that our Heavenly Father loves and guides us. In doing this, I promise you that you must watch your mouth. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. Our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 9.45 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening, and remember, walk by faith, not by sight.